0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. TDM fantasy. The TDM fantasy, fantasy, fantasy podcast with your
1: hosts Paige Demakos, Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the. T-
2: waiver wire pickups we want to get into and also looking at the Miles Garrett suspension and that the reaction on social media so we are going to kick things off here with the with the suspension right because a lot of people are upset with the, the the fact that Miles Garrett is appealing his suspension and I know Jake I know you have some thoughts on the fact that fans are misinterpreting what is happening here, right? They're, they're not understanding that Miles Garrett is not appealing the fact that he deserves a suspension. He's appealing the fact that the initial ruling was that he is out indefinitely and he wants to know what the hell indefinitely means. And I totally understand why he wants to know that.
1: So are the Browns, so, are the, so does the league itself, so the the Players Association. I mean, look, the, the NFL union, Players Union, it's not near as strong as a lot of other ones, but one of the rights they have in the collective bargaining agreement is to be able to appeal a suspension. He's not saying I did; I don't deserve to be suspended. He's saying I want to know in the words, what is my suspension? Is it the rest of the season plus the playoffs, and I come back next year? The Browns want to know. I mean, if the way that it's worded now, if it goes into next season and it's eight games and it's like Kareem Hunt again, they got plenty of cap space. That's their number one pass rusher. They have to replace that. There's a lot of moving pieces here. He's in New York because in the original suspension, Roger Goodell said you have to meet with me before you're reinstated. He's not asked to be reinstated now. If you break the law, and I used the example earlier of breaking and entering, and I meet with the judge for sentencing, he doesn't say I'm going to let you out whenever the hell I feel like I can or I want to. He says you have 18 months, you have five years, you have whatever the suspension is. Or the, the, this is damn sure not the legal system either. So don't get, don't get that twisted. This always comes down to Goodell and the office but I fully, as a member of the union, support, support the fact that the player had the right to appeal. They're just appealing the wording. They want to get an actual suspension. I came out and said I love what the NFL did because they did it by noon the next day and they, they, they went ahead and did something. But I agree with the fact that they need to come out and say exactly what it is. You can't just say, okay, now that the dust has settled, it's still indefinite. Marquise Pouncey also is, is appealing his suspension. He's saying it shouldn't be three games. He has the right to do that too. Right or wrong, we're not getting back into what happened. I just think like, social media gets so crazy and so up in a frenzy with misinformation. The information here is he's appealing the fact that it's worded the way that it is, and they want to get a timetable of what the actual suspension is. I just thought it was very worth noting on our show to clear that up for our listeners, because people, the collective bargaining agreement, some of this stuff gets really crazy. And if you don't know a lot of these things, it's easy to have misinterpreted stuff and floating around out there on social media thinking that he's saying he didn't do anything wrong or he's there. to That's not what's going on. They're just appealing the way that it's worded, trying to get an actual definite game, number of games.
3: Well, and the other the point to note is when a lot of times when we see these indefinite suspensions, it's because there's an ongoing criminal investigation or police involvement or something. That's not the case here. There's not going to be further developments. We know no. what happened. We saw what happened. It's on tape. So at this point, it's just about deciding what is the length of the suspension. Does it carry into next season? And he absolutely has a right to not only appeal – look, I I wouldn't even mind if this was definite and he tried to appeal and get taken down a a couple games. You know, look, you're dealing with somebody's income too and he deserves to be suspended. He doesn't deserve to play the rest of the season, but it is well within his rights to appeal anyway. But like Jake's saying, this is to kind of get a more definite timeline because when am I going to get a paycheck again? When am I going to be eligible to, to play with my team again? And you just saying, well, a minimum of the rest of the season, that doesn't cut it. Like, and so at this point, I have no problem with him saying, hey, I want to have a more definite answer because there is no more information to gather. We have all the facts. There's nothing that's going to change about the scenario between now and the end of the season. We just need to know what the punishment is actually going to be.
1: You're also talking about from the Browns' point of view, a roster spot. If they give a definite suspension, okay, now we move that off. We bring somebody up. He's on the commissioner's non-exempt list. Whatever ends up happening, the Browns now know what they need to do. They think they can make the playoffs. Like, do they bring somebody up from the practice squad? Do they try to sign a veteran off the street to finish the last however many? T- they have to replace the guy that's leading the NFL in sacks. That's not easy to do. So, like, with all this stuff still up in there, it's, it's really hard for them to move forward where they think they're going to make a run here. And I, I just wanted to clear that up because there's so much stuff that just fireballs into disaster of misinformation that I thought it was really, really worth bringing up on the show.
2: Wow, I'm shocked, Jake, that social media wasn't actually informed on the proper or accurate things and accuracy of what's happening. I can't imagine that does not sound like the social media experience that I have. Uh, listen, uh, I, the thing, the thing here, the bigger thing, right? The Miles Garrett thing. He deserves to be suspended. Uh, definitely for the rest of the season, whatever they give him next year, I wouldn't be surprised to see him sit out a significant amount of time next year as well to set a precedence that what happened on Thursday night football is so ridiculous and should absolutely never, ever, ever happen again. But on the Browns side, like Jake said, they are looking to make the playoffs and they need somebody and they need to know, hey, what are we going to do? And oh, by the way, if it's eight games next year, they need to figure out what the hell they're going to do next year too. And this impacts them financially. It impacts them from a from a game standpoint. Like Jake said, this is the league leader in sacks. This is one of the best defensive players in the league. They're going to miss this guy. And they need to figure something out because we know where they sit, they're not in a great position. They're really probably going to have to win out to make the postseason. And missing Miles Garrett is going to have a huge impact on this team. So I'd be interested, you know, Jake, I, I, before we move off this, just – What's the what? How do you downgrade that that defense with with missing Miles Garrett now? Like, how do you overall evaluate that defense moving forward? Because they got to win every game.
1: I mean, you're talking about one of the most disruptive defensive players in the league right now. He plays in Cleveland. He's an unassuming guy. All right, like I talked about last week when we first brought this up. But he's the first overall pick of the draft. I mean, this guy ought to be an absolute superstar. He's playing like it. It's just not his personality. He's playing in Cleveland with a bunch of other giant personality superstars. I don't know how you replace it. You're going to have to blitz more. You're going to have to change what you've been doing. I still think their defense is getting a little healthier, and their schedule is extremely favorable going down the stretch, especially from a fantasy point of view when we start talking about our actual show here. Uh, But I don't know how you replace it. I mean, in years past, you'd go get a Dwight Freeney or somebody like that that was on the street that's a really good pass rusher, and you bring him in on third down, and you try to replace him with a guy that you've already got. I don't know how you replace this guy's productivity, because he's a monster in the run game, too. He's setting the edge. He's rushing the passer. I mean, he is the cornerstone of that defense. You can't replace it, but for no. they, 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 they really want to make a run. And I'm not real sure what you do here.
3: Yeah. Look, I mean, if you look at the remaining schedule, they have three games that they have. I mean, they should win period. Like end of story, the two games against the Bengals in this game at home this week against Miami, you have two games that I think are, they should win, but are more closer to toss-ups with in Pittsburgh and in Arizona. And then a game I expect them to lose to the Ravens in week 16. So even best case scenario, we're talking nine and seven, probably yeah. for this. Let's take get you year. in the AFC. Yeah, but that might be good enough. But it's going to be really difficult. It, it it really is. And look, they already had a tough path. This is obviously not going to make it any easier. I, he's not coming back this year.
1: The question no, is, no, no.
3: How many games is he going to miss next year? And finding out when that amount is going to come in.
2: Yeah, and I saw a couple of Browns fans going back and forth. Some of the bigger, like I think it was the SB Nation Browns. Uh, feed was going back and forth on whether or not listen they make the playoffs and, and miles garrett comes back. That's not happening. No, this he's, year. Not he's not playing again this season. He's not playing this 2019, 2020 season. Like you better be looking ahead to next year and and whether or not he's missing half of the season next year. I mean that's I think that's that's what we're legitimately looking at. I think you're looking at probably six to six to potentially eight games next year and he might get eight and he might be able to appeal it down I really don't have a starting off point for this because- wow. I kind of
1: do. I mean, you you pop positive for smoking weed twice, and you're talking about 10 games. Which or is- or performance-enhancing drugs, You're four-game, 10-game. So you, you kind of do the way that the CBA set up now of, this is a, a an egregious act on the field. Six would end the season. I keep seeing all, all this morning that it only should be six. Well, if they make the playoffs, he shouldn't be eligible to play the playoffs. So, I mean, you, you, right. you do kind of have a, a precedence here a little bit, but just by the way the CBA the way CBA is set up.
3: The the NHL has done this in the past where they will give you a number of games and uh, include it for the postseason. So maybe they say, okay, we're going to suspend Miles Garrett 10 games. Now, if they make the playoffs, then some of those games will start to come off of that 10 games. If they don't, the remaining four will carry over into next season. That's a good point. I could very much see them doing that. I'm saying, look, at 10 games, you obviously can't come back. In, in no scenario, you can come back this year. And le- assuming – they won't. But assuming they don't get to the Super Bowl, there's going to be a carryover into the next season. And to be fair, let's say they do in this weird, you know, uh, you know, out of acid trip experience, we think the Browns are to make the Super Bowl. <laughs> being suspended for a Super Bowl game is worse than being suspended for 20 regular yes. season games. Yes. So like, I, I think that would be a reasonable suspension to say 10 games if that's what they're going to do and include the playoffs with it. And whatever doesn't get done in the playoffs, it carries over to the regular season next year.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, it would be like, I think Jamie just used the words acid trip experience that would involve. I don't, you.
3: I don't expect the Browns to make the Super Bowl is what I'm trying to
2: Obviously. say. Obviously, <laughs> by what was just said on the podcast. So let's get into some waiver wire pickups that we can jump into this week. Listen, it's week 12. We have a lot of opportunities to, to make the postseason. These are the moves you're going to want to make. Like Jamie mentioned, this is the last week. You're really going to be worrying about bye weeks. So you want to make sure you are looking at your roster and going, these are guys I want to ride with into the postseason because you're not going to have to worry about flip-flopping your roster if your guys are healthy. Now, obviously there's some guys that you're going to look at and you're going to go, yeah, I should probably handcuff that guy with somebody else. But these are some good options um, and this list comes from ClutchPoints.com. It's based off of Sleeper and ESPN's availability. Uh, we play on Sleeper, and ESPN's the most popular fantasy football app out there. So if you play in a different league, I'm sorry, but these are these are numbers based. It's got to be at least close for Yahoo. Yeah, they'll be GTS. close to Yahoo. Um, so the number 10 guy, and we've talked about this guy a little bit, and he's really come on uh, in in place of Will Disley. That's Jacob Hollister, 15.2% owned in, in Sleeper a little bit higher percentage in ESPN. Listen, he's come on. He has shown that Russell Wilson has the, has a little bit of chemistry with him. And and I envision that he's going to continue to play a part in this offense because Russell Wilson really needs him. And he's shown me, especially in the red zone, he's gone to him quite a bit like he did with Will Disley. I was a Will Disley owner. It was a huge disappointment when he went down because he had was having such a strong year. I picked up Jacob Hollister because I was excited about starting him, and I haven't been disappointed. It's not Will Disley production, but it's been pretty good. Jake, your thoughts on on Jacob Hollister?
1: I mean, the the tight end position as a whole is a dumpster fire, even down to like three guys at this point. I mean, Kittle got hurt. Ingram was hurt. Like, Russell Wilson throws to the tight end, whether it's Luke Wilson back in the day, whether it's Hollister, uh, you know, whether it was Disley. I, I like to pick up. It depends on your matchups still. I mean, I, I think he's kind of touchdown dependent because they now have Gordon that they're trying to mix in. They still run it a ton. But Russell Wilson extends plays, and he's a guy that he's shown to, if you have some chemistry with him and you come back to the ball, you're, you're going to get some targets because he doesn't really care who it is. He spreads it around. So I like it. I think he's an absolute uh, guy to look at, to pick up, unless you have, even if you have Ertz Kittle, some of those guys, I and mean, he's not a bad guy to pick up just in case you have an injury.
3: Well, keep in mind, Travis Kelsey and Hunter Henry are both on bye this week too. Yep. So I mean, that, that's no, huge great. this week.
1: Yeah, huge this week.
3: Yeah, and so I, I wrote about uh, Jacob Hollister for an SI article. It's going up on Thursday, but uh, Yahoo owners have kind of gotten the word out. He's over fifty percent owned there. Everywhere else, it seems to be way under owned. Uh, I, I mean, I'm wondering if people are scared off by the matchup. I mean, the Eagles are the twenty only given up the twenty fourth most fancy points per game to tight ends. But do you know who's given up the fewest points to tight ends all season? San Francisco. The team he just caught eight for 62 and a touchdown against. I- I'm not worried about him being in this. Uh, he's got 16 targets and 12 catches, three touchdowns in his last two games. Uh, he should be playing in every 12-team league, period, end of story. He is he is a top-10 tight end play this week. He needs to be owned.
2: Yeah, and he, they play the San Francisco 49ers, who are bad against the tight end, and they play the Arizona uh-huh. Cardinals, who are bad against the tight end again. So those are two matchups in the of the six remaining that you look at and you go, yeah, that's a hell of a matchup. So I get it. Maybe against Philadelphia, but moving forward, there's a couple of favorable matchups. No, for I him.
3: mean San Francisco's the, the worst team to face for your tight end, and he eight for sixty-two matter. and a touchdown. So yeah, like
2: he he balled out. It's fine. Like, and look, Tyler
3: Lockett might not play in this game. We have to we have to see. I mean, that's
2: going to impact. P. Carroll's
3: very... been optimistic, but I mean, yeah. he spent a couple of days in the hospital. I know they had the bye week, but he might be limited, which I means I do like Josh Gordon a little bit more this week. Obviously, people are probably playing DK Metcalf at this point, especially against Eagles secondary, right. but. This is kind of something to watch because if Lockett's limited, that's going to open up opportunities for the, the secondary options like Hollister and
2: Josh Gordon. It was a significant injury. He was in the hospital for a couple of days. I know that he's – I even if he does play I, and I have him in, in a league, I still am, like – I'm still kind of in my mind mentally going – 25% of what I envision he's going to get, just take that off the top, right? Yeah. From the target share, from the amount, of, like just he's going to be out there less, I think. And, and maybe I'm wrong, but it's better to anticipate that that's going to happen. And- I like it only
1: from the fact that the Eagles stopped the run really well and their secondary has been weak, even though they're getting healthier. They're going to rely on Russell Wilson and throw it. I think, yeah. if he play, I think if he plays, he's still a pretty safe bet. But it does, is definitely scary. I think the injury was more scary than anything else. And they wanted to be super precautious. But anytime you spend a couple days in the hospital,
2: yeah, it's not a good thing.
1: No, <laughs> definitely, definitely not.
2: Definitely not, not a good thing. Um, okay, we talked about Tony Pollard a little bit last week, mostly because uh, Ezekiel Elliott's had a couple of bad weeks. Um, at least, just from what we're used to seeing from Ezekiel Elliott, it hasn't been, um, you know, as great as as the top tier guy. So clear cut every each and every week. He had a good week. He's eleven point three percent owned. Um, we knew he was going to play a part in the offense, especially coming into the year. We thought he might have a couple of weeks where at the beginning, if Zeke sat out, obviously that didn't happen, but he is one of the hotter pickups this, this week. Jamie, I'll let you go first. Your thoughts on Tony Pollard.
3: Yeah. What about him earlier this week as well? Look, if, if you own Zeke Elliott, you have to own Tony Pollard. And I don't, I don't, There's still a lot of leagues, and this is the same thing in case with, like, Alexander Madison and Dalvin Cook, where I don't understand what fantasy owners are doing at this point in the year and why they're not owned in every league that you have that starting running back. My concern is going to be I don't know how much he's going to be used. We we got really excited, you know, uh, early in the season. I believe it was against Miami when he had, like, this really, really, like, breakout performance. And we thought, wow, they're going to use both backs really effectively, and Pollard's going to have some sort of role in this offense. And then he didn't. Yeah. So – to me, I think he's more of an elite handcuff. If you have extra spots on your bench that you're not going to be using, I don't mind at this point in the year grabbing other people's handcuffs because if Zeke gets hurt, Tony Pollard's an, an RB one, a low-end RB one every single week. I've made that argument with Wayne Gallman as well with Saquon yeah. Barkley. Yeah. If you have the flexibility and you're not fighting and clawing for every point, and you don't have a ton of injuries that you have to deal with, this is the time of year where you're saying not just don't just handcuff your own guys. Are there guys in the waiver wire that if the circumstances break right, they are a league winner for you in the postseason? And that is the case for Tony Pollard.
1: Yeah, I think Gus Edwards is one of those guys. I mean, that's if Ingram goes down, then Gus Edwards is getting a lot of play now anyway. Tony Pollard scares me a little bit, but I agree with Jamie. I mean, you're getting to that point where I, I'm kind of looking at it for some stuff too. I mean, can you handcuff, take take other guys' handcuffs? And then all of a sudden you got, you know, you're starting two running backs, but your flex is now an RB1 because Zeke's hurt? I love it in that case. I mean, playing him right now scares me a little bit, but I think and I spent some time the last couple of days doing this is looking all the way through the regular, you know, the next couple of weeks of the regular season and into the playoffs of what matchups do I have, what guys would I maybe want on my roster for the fact that if you get to semifinals, finals, that kind of stuff. So, and I love the fact of stealing somebody else's handcuff. I mean, if he goes down, you might win your league by, by having him as your flex.
2: Absolutely. It's it's a smart thing that Jamie brings up. It's a, it's an option that you can have when you have that flexibility, right? When you're not fighting for those, for those last second spots. And listen, we've seen it, especially with running backs. It, it can happen. Uh, next game we're going to talk about here is Debo Samuel. We've talked about him in the past couple of weeks, 33% owned. He's become a really reliable option for Jimmy Garoppolo scoring 13 or more fantasy points in three of the past four games. That's a good option for you in a flex position, and it seems like him and Jimmy have a little bit of that chemistry starting to build up, especially with George Kittle sitting out. He's become really one of the options they kind of have to go to because if you paid attention to San Francisco, they don't have a ton of wide receiver depth. And I know Emmanuel Sanders, they traded for him, but he's obviously had some injury issues. So, Jake, what are your thoughts on Debo Samuel moving forward?
1: I picked him up off the waiver wire in uh, in one of my 10-man leagues and was really excited to get him. Uh, along with Devontae Parker. I got them both sitting on my bench, but I, I like them both moving forward. I got guys like T.Y. Hilton, who's still hurt, Cortland Sutton, who I don't love this week against the Bills, but he's a target monster. But it's nice to have those guys in there. Debo Samuel's phenomenal after the catch, and I don't think his value drops at all when Emmanuel Sanders is healthy and Kittle's back. They're not running it like they were earlier in the season. Some of the teams they're going to play, Garoppolo's going to have to throw to win. And he's become a huge part of that. Like I said, I, I'm not sure if I want to throw the Anquan Bolden comparison out there yet, but I've seen it. But strong guy, big-time hands, and great run after the catch. And I love run after the catch guys in fantasy. I mean, that's just huge extra points. And he's been really good. He's getting better throughout the season.
3: Yeah, he needs to be owned in every league. Uh, he's, he's a wide receiver. He's a high-end wide receiver three this week. Um, you know, I do want to see if he's still going to get the same amount of targets. He's got double-digit targets back-to-back weeks. I want to see if he gets that when. Sanders is 100% and Kittle is 100% on the field. But uh, still, he's definitely somebody that's really – he was coming on before these last couple weeks under the underlying numbers. He wasn't putting up big fantasy totals, but he was becoming a bigger piece of the offense. This is kind of more of a natural progression for him. Uh, To me, I think the guys that lose value when everybody's healthy is more like Kendrick Bourne. Uh, and yeah. some of these auxiliary options, like Richie James, like some of these other auxiliary options, I think they're more likely to fade into obscurity than Debo Samuel is. Yeah,
1: yeah and I don't mean like his targets are his targets will go down when those guys are healthy, but who's covering him is completely different because the number one corner is covering Emmanuel Sanders or they're trying to bracket cover George Kittle. So now you're talking about a guy that's great run after the catch, but he's playing man-to-man or he's playing a soft zone, and he's got some separation to be able to be really good at. So if these 12 targets go down to nine, I still think the productivity is going to be there, and it might be better.
2: Yeah, he might be better. It means that, you know, coming on strong later on, rookies take a little bit of time to develop. These are all things that are happen. A guy that Jake already mentioned, Devontae Parker, owned in 44.8% of leagues. He's a guy who's been consistent, and we know we talked about this. It's hard to consider having a Miami Dolphin on your roster, but he has eclipsed 11 fantasy points in every single game since week four. That is consistent, coverage for you from a flex position that is a guy you can count on week four that's it's been a while since that since week four and that's consistency and obviously since the Preston Williams injury there also to even more targets and that offense is still playing well I know that Miami is not winning football games but they are they are trying they are putting together good performances they had two wins and then they played the Buffalo Bills very hard uh, Jamie, I'll go to you first. Here, your thoughts on Devonte Parker?
3: I think to me, the biggest thing I was excited about was he had a tough matchup last week, and he still had a plenty of success seven for one thirty five. His worst game in that stretch since Week Four was going six for fifty nine. Yeah, that was his worst stretch. Uh, I mean, the, the Browns aren't the best matchup in the world, but afterwards, he's got four straight really strong matchups going into and then throughout the postseason. The whole game against Philly, at the Jets, at the Giants, home Cincinnati. Yeah,
2: like those that are all favorable.
3: It's, it's hard to get any better than that. Yeah, those are all favorable matchups for him. Good. Miami's going to throw the ball a ton. They're going to be behind in games a ton and throwing it. Fitzpatrick's not afraid just to chuck it up there. He trusts Devontae Parker. He's someone that not only should be owned in every league, but he's a guy that he's starting to trend into every week flex territory where he shouldn't even be on your bench for much longer.
1: I mean, yeah, guys, you're talking about a former first-round pick, freak athlete coming out of Louisville, really solid guy, but he had the drops for a couple of years, and it looks like he finally grew up. And fix that problem. And he's become a bona fide one for them and a really, really solid player Where almost where he was drafted. Really good guy, really good part of their team. Like I love the fact that I talked about a month ago that, that Brian Flores talked about he is a, one of our pieces moving forward that we want here. That told me a lot. And then he came out scored a touchdown that weekend had another big game. He's part of what they're doing. He's their number one guy. And, like, you hit the nail on the head. Big game this weekend against Buffalo and a really tough matchup. That's still the deal for me. Like I, That was like, all right, I'm, if he's available, I'm going to put the claim in because he's better than – I think I dropped Miles Sanders and picked him up. And that made a lot better sense to me moving down the stretch for a guy that I might have to play.
2: This is the one on the list that I'll be really interested in. I've seen a lot of conversation around him, um, and that's Darius Geis, running back to the Washington Redskins, 45.8% owned as of right now. Uh, the young running back is 69 yards from scrimmage and a touchdown in his first game back from that knee injury. Uh, you know, people are projecting that moving forward, he's going to have more t- shares in this offense. But man, I know we talk about the fact that we still either still like in Miami. Washington's different than Miami. This team is not good. Um, I-, I will be really interested. Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. Your thoughts on on Darius guys who a lot of talent, multiple injuries, bad football team. What are your thoughts on him moving forward?
3: It's a weird case for him because I think he could be a guy this week that could be a low-level flex play. Him and Adrian Peterson, they have a great matchup uh, against the Lions. And, uh, but my concern is when – and he should be added in, in a handful of leagues because he's extremely talented. My concern is going to be when are you ever going to feel confident playing him? And If you're a team that's – let's say you're like Jake and you never lose in, in our league, Why would you not rather take a chance on Alexander Madison or a Tony Pollard or a Gus Edwards or a Wayne Gallman who really have a chance to, yes, they could provide you absolutely nothing the rest of the season, but if one of the starters gets hurt in front of them, they are a legitimate bona fide every single week starter. Even if Adrian Peterson is, I don't know, vaporized by aliens tomorrow, (laughs) Darius Geis is not a top 20 running back for this season so uh, I, I get it if, if you if you just desperate and need a little help this week and you're just in a in a running back spot let's say you just completely you know you have like Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler and uh, and all these guys you just have just you just just ravage at the position I think you might be able to get a top 35 running back performance from him this week but if you're looking for someone to hold the stash I, I think there are just better options out there.
1: Yeah, this week only. Adrian Peterson, questionable. Chris Thompson, who we forget about, who hadn't played in a while, questionable. When those guys are both healthy, that's huge timeshare. Chris Thompson's going to be on passing downs. Adrian Peterson's been really solid. He's going to take carries away. I don't know what you think you can expect moving forward. Now, this week, if Thompson and Peterson don't play, and he's the guy, then it's and you're desperate, I I like it a lot. Keep in mind, he's coming off an ACL and a procedure on that knee. He's still going to be up and down with swelling and soreness and whatever else for months after that scope. So if he has a big workload this week, I don't like it next week at all, especially if either one of those guys are back, much less both of them.
2: I think it makes sense for this week, right? But I think as you forecast moving forward, there's two different – you're either fighting for a playoff position or you're kind of set and you're looking at what is my lineup going to be looking like moving forward. If you're in that secondary position – I'm not picking up Darius guys to play this week. It's not worth the roster spot, in my opinion. There's too many variables there, whether that's the amount of shares that there are when all three of those guys are there, the fact that that team is not a good football team. They're (laughs) terrible. This is not Miami where the offense still runs and they don't win football games. This is a very bad football team, and especially with Dwayne Haskins, it'd be different if we at least had Case Keenum and there was some level of offensive power that we at least would see on a week-to-week basis. That's not the case with Washington. They're a very bad football team. All right, the last one we're going to get into here before we move into a Thursday night football preview is Baker Mayfield, uh, a guy that was, man, if you if you pick Baker where he was going in ADP, you probably dropped him because you were really, really angry, and I totally get that, and you overdrafted him, and I hate to say we told you so, but we told you so, because the beginning of their schedule was Horrendous, But Jamie has been telling you for quite some time, for a couple of weeks, that, listen, there is going to be a stretch here where Baker has a lot of favorable matchups. Uh, Jamie, I'll let you take this one because this was kind of your thing. Is this, the, is this the guy that you're going to feel like, what's your comfort level? Do you like him just this week, or do you like him for the next couple of weeks and trust him into the fantasy postseason?
3: I mean, I, I trust him in every game except the championship against the Ravens. Yep. Uh, that would be the fantasy championship game for everybody. But he's my number six quarterback this week in, in my TDN fantasy rankings, which you can check out on, on the DraftNetwork.com. Number six, uh, I love him as a DFS play this week. I think he's like the 10th or 11th most uh, highest-priced quarterback at the price. Uh, look, the Dolphins are... Bad. We've, we've talked about this before, but they've allowed multiple passing touchdowns in eight of their last 10 games, 23 in total, allowing an average of 21.4 fantasy points per game. Baker's starting to come on a little bit more these last couple games. Uh, to me, I think you can feel completely confident playing him in this game. You're going to love him playing. I think you're fine with him playing on the short week in Pittsburgh. He's probably not going to be a top, like, eight option that week, but he's fine if you don't have anybody better. You're dealing – maybe you were, were relying on Matthew Stafford or somebody like that, or you were just trying to get by with Phillip Rivers and he just can't stop throwing it to the other team. you know. So all those things, but you're going to love him against that matchup. You're going to love him when he gets Cincinnati. You're going to love him against Arizona. There's going to be a handful of weeks for the rest of the year, particularly in the first two weeks of the postseason, where you, he's going to be a top-ten quarterback, play for you. So if you don't have an elite option on your team and he's out there for you and you've just kind of been streaming the streaming the position or going with the Sam Darnolds of the world or kind of hoping that you can get by with on certain weeks with certain guys, he's someone you should really consider putting in your rotation.
1: Yeah, I like it. I don't love it. I'll just play devil's advocate because you, you made a ton of great points, and I can definitely see a lot of them. Against Cincinnati, they're going to run it down their throat. In this two-back set that they've gone to a ton, I think Kareem Hunt's going to get a lot of carries. He's also getting a lot of catches, which helps Baker. Uh, I don't know how much they're going to have to throw it against Miami. Both Cincinnati games, I don't necessarily love him against Pittsburgh, but I think they might have to lean on him a little bit. Pittsburgh rushes the passer really well. TJ Watts been on fire, and their left tackle and their offensive line still sucks. Uh, Arizona rushes the passer really well, but you can throw it all over him. So I like him in that matchup. So just to play devil's advocate. I can see them running it and getting up enough that his numbers are solid as long as he doesn't throw any picks. I I don't know that they're going to be huge, but the options at the position right now are weird. You got a couple guys at the top that are crazy, but then you got like Patrick Mahomes that's not really lighting the world on fire. And Aaron Rodgers has kind of been hit or miss. And Lamar Jackson's kind of the dude. And Dak is 40 points. And Josh Allen was 40 points. I mean, like, he's going to be a solid, solid play. And I think his floor is really high, which which kinda of to your point is what I really like about him moving forward.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of guys that we are used to being at the top, right? That for variety of reasons, right, you I lost Ben Roethlisberger at the beginning, which forced me into a position to get somebody else. Oh, by the way, that was Matthew Stafford, who's also not playing now, right? So there's, you force yourself into, there's been a lot of injuries. You know, you if you had Andrew Luck, then it went to Jacoby Brissett, then you got another, the Jacoby Brissett goes down. There's been a lot of injuries. And like guys that were usually used to being consistent, like Aaron Rodgers, He's had a couple of stinkers this year. Uh,
1: yeah, they're, they're running it so good. So you're used to Aaron Rodgers throwing it 50 times a game, but they're running it better than they have in the past. I mean, it's just a weird, you know, Carson Wentz had lost all of his options. So, like, he hasn't been a very good play. Yeah,
2: yeah. it's it's been it's been different. Some of the guys that we anticipated to be in a much different position from a fantasy-relevant standpoint because of whether that's injuries to themselves, injuries to other, other players, the schemes that have kind of been changed from what we're used to seeing in previous years. It's been a different year, but a lot of those guys at the top, listen, they were there. We, with consistency guys, you could get later on. I know Jamie told you about Dak and he's going to do it again. He's going to be a a valuable option that was going later on in rounds, especially if you don't draft with Cowboys fans, uh, because they tend to get their guys earlier than everybody else expects them to go. But these are some of the guys that were available later on, uh, i.e. Russell Wilson in the 10th round. Thank you so very mm-hmm. much. Um, okay, let's get – last thing here is Thursday night football. We got a divisional matchup. Indianapolis Colts going on the road to play the Houston Texans. The Texans are a four-point favorite coming off a horrendous loss on the road against Lamar Jackson, who just put it on them. Um, this is a divisional game, guys. This is a game – they're both both teams at 6-4. and four. Uh, Indianapolis in first with the tiebreaker. But what happens, This is, this. is there's a lot of implications between these two teams. The rest of the you know, we kind of thought everybody would even out, but the Jags have fallen off. Um, this division, I think, will end up coming down to these two teams, and they're going to need these games when it all is said and done. Jake, what do you see happening in this game?
1: So tough. The Colts own the Texans, but the Colts are without Marlon Mack, quite possibly, and I'm guessing probably without T.Y. Hilton. Two corners, starting safety. They're on the road. Like As much as I felt confident picking the Colts in Indy because they own the Texans there, I'm going with the Texans 27-23, so I got it dead on the line. Uh, I-, I could change that to 28-23 and go Texans. I just think that the Colts are severely undermanned. Go back to what I said last week. The Colts run it well, but they don't run it like Baltimore. And you go back to what I said, Romeo Cornell on that defense haven't get about, given up a 100-yard rusher since 2017. I don't know if Lamar ended up getting over it last week. I know he was at 85 at one point pretty early. Um, But they're really good against the run. You could throw it on them, but without T.Y. Hilton, uh, they're missing another one of their top – Like I think two or three of their top receivers are out. I I like their tight ends, but I I just think the Texans have to bounce back, and I think they they just outman them a little bit in this matchup.
3: Yeah, I agree. I'm going to take the Texans here to cover to win and cover this game as well. But I want to talk a little bit about the Colts' backfield because that's been the – hot topic on the waiver wire i know jonathan williams was a, was a hot pickup uh, what i warned you about yesterday is looks like it's coming true today they took jordan wilkins off the injury report today he's a full practice and he's probably going to play in this game and as jake talked about whoever's the starter there's a two down back uh, because naeem hines is going to be their third down back he's going to be their pass catcher he's actually the colts back i want the most this week because i expect the colts to be down in this game and having to throw to keep up with deshaun watson i imagine the texans are going to a pissed off Texans team is going to come out and take advantage of an injury depleted secondary in Indianapolis. And they're going to get up early. And if that's the case, they're going to need Naeem Hines to play a lot in these games. Uh, I think he's the Colts back that you want, but I don't think any, any of them are any more than flex plays. Uh, I think they're worth having and worth adding on your team and seeing because Mac might miss the rest of the regular season. Yeah. Uh, So, but I think there's going to be a very much a timeshare between Williams and Wilkins uh, at that spot. And the only defined role that we have is Naeem Hines. So, I would just be getting temporary expectations because I know a lot of people were, were really running out there to grab one of the Colts back, They're usually going out to get Jonathan Williams after his 100-yard performance against the Jags last week. But I'm not sure he's going to be the guy this game and maybe next. This game will give us a little bit better idea of how maybe those first two – the roles will play out for those one and two down backs. And you guys know how
1: much I love T.Y. Hilton and how much of a warrior he is, and I talk about it all the time. I don't love him even if he plays in this game because I don't think he's playing at maybe 75 80%. I can see him having like a – Six for fifty-six, and he might get in the touchdown in the red zone, which would be a really solid day. But if you're expecting to play him in your wide receiver one or two role and get normal production, I don't, I don't see that happening. Even if he plays, I mean, he's battling through a pulled calf that they said was going to be three or four. This would be two and a half going into three weeks. So I, I, even if he plays, I don't, I don't love it.
2: Yeah, they need him from a football perspective, right? Because he's such a game changer for them and without Marlon Mack and without some of their weapons, it's one of those things that you're kind of expecting if he's even 50/50 and especially because of what you've said, Jake, and knowing him personally, like he'll go if he can. Um I just don't know if that's going to be good from a fantasy perspective, right? You kind of got to you kind of got to know those tendencies and those guys that are so tough that push through these injuries. It's not good for fantasy purposes because they'll go out there and their coaches aren't going to give them – they're not going to have the same target share. They're not going to have the same role, but they're going to be out there because at the end of the day, if T.Y. is out there, it changes the whole dynamic of that offense and how that defense is going to cover that team. Um, Okay, Jake, uh, any parting thoughts on today's podcast?
1: Happy freaking birthday.
2: (laughs) I'd I'd sing to
1: you, but nobody wants to hear that. It would be worse than my rant from yesterday. So happy birthday, darling
2: uh listen your rant was very popular on social media so i'm sure sure it was i I think that that was a good thing and no uh i appreciate the gesture of singing but i'm glad you chose
1: oh and i do i do have one other thing uh shelby actually tweeted for us does anybody have any questions and uh, a guy came out with the cfl every play is reviewable would would we like to see that in the nfl yes 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 and no um is is my answer. The games would be five hours, but I would like to see certain aspects of what is, if a play is called dead because they, they ruled forward progress. And I don't really know how you'd put this in, but it's just BS. It's non-challengeable. If it's a blatant fumble and you can challenge it, that should be challengeable. Yes. If it's the pass interference thing and you see holding or illegal contact, but you can't call it because you're only reviewing pass interference, that should be changed. So aspects of it I'd like, but no, the games would be five hours. These guys are so bad. And and coaches are getting killed right now on what to challenge and what not. So I love the question, aspects of it I like, but no, I don't. I don't think I could could vote for everything being challengeable.
2: So here's the thing: I, I, there's aspects, and I heard this conversation. I have to give the the credit to uh, Golik, um and Wingo and their conversation because they both are big tennis fans, and if you watch tennis, you're familiar with the technology that that they have in tennis and in volleyball that helps from a robotic standpoint on what is in and out, what are certain aspects of that? I would love to see the NFL delve into the technological standpoint that is less human error and more. Great point, Paige. How do do we take what is available to us on technology and the humans that are out there and combine that to make the game better? Because I do not want the game to be longer. I do not want to see everything challenged, but Listen, it's 2019, almost 2020. There is some damn good technology available. And the NFL is a billion, multi-billion dollar organization that has money that they can invest in every single football field, having the ability to use technology to their advantage. That is what I want to see, because I don't need more humans making errors. I need... The technology available to us, making the game better and
1: not longer. If we can microchip footballs and shorter pads, I don't really give a shit how fast the guy runs. If he scores, he scores. But all I see anymore, who's the fastest guy in the NFL? If we can do that, we can microchip the ball. We can put lasers on the freaking pylons and down the sidelines and add all kinds of technology to the game that would take so much of this BS out. I am a million percent for that, and that's an awesome point.
3: Yeah, and I mean, absolutely. The the stuff around the goal line, this is easy. Tennis already has. If you ever watch a tennis match, you see where the – the replay of where the ball hits, whether it's line in or line out, uh, the NFL can easily do this. They have the money to do it. They just don't have the desire to do it right now. So don't let them tell you otherwise. Uh, the only other thing I would change is I don't like that there are certain things that are not reviewable, like forward progress and stuff, because at that point we have already seen this is a an error that the officials make all the time. Yep. constantly. Give them a chance to make up for it. You know what I mean? Like give them a chance because yes, I I, I like the idea of just hey, you're supposed to let the play go. But, then but they very, don't. They never do. But don't. But even when they do, there sometimes becomes a problem where if they let it go, if they're ninety percent sure it shouldn't be let go, but they let it go anyway because it's reviewed, the onus is now on them to find overwhelming evidence to turn it to overturn it. Yeah. yeah. So like, just make make it make don't don't say there are certain plays like that that can't be reviewed. Uh, and the other note to kind of keep an eye on for those of you that were playing him, I know he had a bad game last week, but he broke out before the buy. Um, Mohamed Sanu left with an ankle injury looks like he might have a high ankle sprain, didn't practice today, might miss multiple weeks. So someone to keep an eye on if you were expecting a bounce back from him
2: this week. Yeah, that uh, definite injury that will impact fantasy football aspects. I, I think we've come to a great conclusion here. The NFL needs to use technology to its advantage because the humans make a ton of errors. I get it. Uh, we know that the, the, the humans that are involved in the way that it happens ain't changing for a while because they just signed a seven-year contract for it to be the way that it is. So the only way they're going to make this better is by using technology, and I know it's out there because I watch it in other sports. So Well,
1: just watch a college football game. Watch, yeah. watch an ESPN SEC game. You have 50 more camera angles, pylon cams. You got,
2: pylon cams. It's amazing how much
1: better it is that the NFL shouldn't have. Every stadium ought to be equipped. You shouldn't have to ship trucks. With equipment. Every stadium ought to be equipped with every camera they need for every angle possible that the humans and the robots and whoever the hell else can come up with. Why is that not done?
2: Uh, Because they're arrogant and they know that everybody's watching and it doesn't matter. So hopefully there's enough... Um, conversation from people like Tom Brady and other big figures. I saw DeAndre Hopkins had a a tweet yesterday criticizing the referees. I think the only way this changes is if superstars in the NFL start to vocalize that on social media, which will rally the fans, which will impact the bottom line. And if they, if that happens, the NFL will be forced into a position where they're going to actually have to take this seriously. So players, you don't like it, you better be vocal about it. That's the only way this is gonna change. Carefully. I, I,
1: carefully, because they will seriously take money right out of your pocket, and that's I their know. answer to everything.
2: Yeah, of course. So just let Tom Brady do it since no they, they can't uh, find the golden boy. He'll do whatever the hell. He, he got wants. a sugar
1: mama. Not all of yeah. them got sugar mamas.
2: <laughs> God bless. God bless mm-hmm. that man. Uh Jake, how can everybody follow you on social media?
1: Jake B. Arians on Twitter.
3: And follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter.
2: And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page on Twitter and Instagram and you can follow the show at T D N fantasy underscore on Twitter and at T D N fantasy on Instagram.